0: This is the Grand Tapestry Podcast, brought to you by my family channel. Each one of our elder's stories is a unique thread in the Grand Tapestry of American history. In this podcast, we will explore them one by one to honor them and to gain perspective through their experience.
1: Hello and welcome to the Grand Tapestry Podcast. I am Todd Smith and this is episode seven. We are here with Miss Betty Sturgeon at Magnolia Springs, East Louisville, in Louisville, Kentucky. And Betty, you were just telling us about how much you love the activities yes. that Amy Webb puts on
0: yes. for you. I do. I like the uh, pictionary. I like trivia. And most of everything that we do, I, I like to be a part of it. And I like to play against the men. <laughs> and there are some men down there, they say that, they play against me, just me, instead of the other women.
1: <laughs> Betty against all the men. Well, that's a good that's a good review for Amy there. Well, Miss Sturgeon, you were one of the very first people to try my family channel uh, a couple years ago when it was just an idea, and I think we had a group of seven residents who were the brave pioneers, and we have another one coming up earlier today. So thank you for that. So we're glad to have you on, uh, participate in our interview. So today we're just going to talk about your life. And the reason we do this is because we want to capture all of the great wisdom from throughout your life and pass it on to future generations so that they can learn from your experience. Okay, so are you going to share some wisdom with us?
0: Well, I guess <laughs> I get started, I don't know when to quit.
1: <laughs> you have so much wisdom that you Okay. Well let's just start at the beginning and uh tell us about when you were born
0: and where you were born. I was born November the twenty seventh, nineteen thirty six, in uh Hickman, Kentucky. That's in western Kentucky. Hickman, Kentucky. I don't I don't know if I've heard you, of that. You know where Kentucky has that little part on on the left, the little part of Kentucky. Oh, okay. And, and the uh, Mississippi River. Well, it's a small town there. Okay. How small? Oh, man. Now I would say it's really lost so many, I would say about maybe uh, – 1500 or 1600 but back then it was small too because it was a farm community around and they raised uh, soybeans and cotton 1500 that's pretty small it is it's
1: small that's now and that, (laughs) that is probably less even then
0: so you probably didn't have a Starbucks there, did you? No. <laughs> no. And we uh, walked, when my dad was in service, we moved from the farm to into Hickman. And we walked everywhere. And you didn't have to worry about anybody bothering you. And mm. uh, everybody knew you. And, of course, everybody knew where you were and what you were doing. Even without cell phones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: strange that parents seem to worry more about their kids now even when the kids have cell phones you know I mean even when I was a kid we didn't have cell phones and we were our parents had no idea where we were <laughs> But I just find that ironic but
0: well my mother used to what well, she would tell us during the war to stay in the yard but yet she at night she'd holler for me and my brother and we'd tell her where we were by answering. And she'd say, it's time to come in. <laughs> and we'd go in. And most uh, people around there watched out for us. Well, that's we had, nice. We had a neighbor next door who always knew where we were. Oh, well, that's nice. I was the oldest, and I would look out for my brother. Of course, he didn't like it. He'd say, you're not my mother. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How much older were you than Three years older. Three years older. You said you walked
0: everywhere? Yes. Like to school and to... To school, to church, went to the grocery store with my mother and uh, helped her with the groceries, what we needed. Of course, back then, you couldn't get sugar during the war. I remember that. You couldn't get sugar, and we didn't use that much sugar and uh my mother would give it to neighbors that needed sugar because hmm. she didn't she maybe would drink a cup of coffee once a month and that once was her feel i remember we had a 5 gallon bucket of sugar in our in our house
1: that's just amazing to me you know it makes us seem so you know to hear about how it was in your you know Coffee once a month, first of all, that's a real hardship, you know. I'm joking, obviously, but <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> I have coffee two or three times a day. How far did you have to walk to school or to church or
0: well, I see how far was it? I would say that it was uh a mile around a mile. Hmm. We walked everywhere. I loved walking, and I still like to walk everybody tells me I'm when I with my stroller that I'm in a race but I walk real <laughs> walk fast
1: well I bet it's because you did all that walking when you were a kid
0: I did I can remember when I was little that uh, my dad would be carrying my brother and I'd be walking beside him and I was I maybe be about four or five years old and I can remember that walking into town and what they would go to town. They they would uh, go to movies. Back then, they had what they called a serial, where each week you got a new thing. But mm. well, my dad didn't like to miss that. He always wanted to watch that,
1: so he had to walk into town to see the serial. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, in this digital age, when you know when you can pull up anything anytime, right on the computer or the tv i just try to think of the perspective of not only can you not see what you want when you want but you have to walk a mile to get to it Mm -hmm. that's very interesting to me i don't know why let's talk about when you were a little bit later when you were a teenager were you still in hickman or did you all know
0: well, I was a teenager in Lansing, Michigan for a year. I went to school up there, high school. And, of course, by me being from the South, they wanted me to talk all the time. And I had a literature teacher that would give us book assignments. And I, when I would read a book, I'd get my assignment done because I'd get it over with. Well, he'd have me to get up in front and read it and tell about it. And they would ask, I would like to kill a mockingbird. Mm-hmm. I had, we had to read that. And they asked, said, is there really towns that has uh, wood sidewalks? I said, yes. I said, in fact, I went to a town. My dad took us to show us a different thing. And I said, this town had wood sidewalks. And they said, do you think there was a man that you know of that could have killed that dog that far away? And I said, yes, my dad could have. Hmm. And my dad would always tell me I would go hunting with him because he, he when he'd sit down at a tree, he'd go to sleep. And oh. one time we were squirrel hunting, and he got tired, and he sat down and went to sleep. And I had the rifle, and I kept noticing a fox coming up towards us. And I make racket to make it go, and, you know, the fox will take off. And I thought, well, there's something wrong with that fox. So my dad was sound asleep, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? I can't let that fox get any closer. So I got the rifle, and I killed it. And we took it to the vet, and it had rabies. That's the reason it come up so close. Oh, my gosh. So So you
1: you saved your dad and you from maybe getting
0: bit by that animal wow my dad would always uh have me practice my he would swing a tire now that's it's hard swing a tire and you have to go through the circle to, Oh, jump that, through that, it that, that would no shoot through it. oh shoot through it that's the way he would train me and he trained me about the safety of a gun how to get over a fence Always put your gun over the fence, away from you, and then you climb the fence. He taught me all about Mm. the safety of firearms. Now how old were you when the with the fox incident took place? I was I was about twelve or thirteen. That's
1: pretty intense for a twelve year old to, you know, have a fox coming at you.
0: I put him down.
1: He didn't know who he was messing with, did he? You want to tell us about your family, your
0: husband, and kids? Well, I I met my husband in a bowling alley. I was divorced, and I liked to bowl, so I bowled just about every night, and I'd win games, and I'd win money, and uh, that's the way I paid for my car gas going (laughs) to the bowling alleys. And uh, I met a bowling shark. And I met him. Uh, in fact, the bartender introduced me to him. And uh, he just had, uh, he uh, smiled a lot. He was a happy, happy person. And I, the first thing that I asked him was, are you a grouch? <laughs> and he looked at me really funny. He said, no, I'm not a grouch.
1: <laughs> How could he be a grouch if he smiles all the time? I
0: know that's the way I figured, but I asked him just in case. Because, you know, you meet, back then you meet men, you know, they talk about women, they put on the front. Well, men do the same thing. Mm. And uh, if I, with my inst, I would, when I was dating or anything, I would meet them somewhere. And if I didn't like them, I'd I'd pay half of the ticket, half of the meal, and then I'd get in my car and I'd say, don't call me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No grouches allowed. That sounds like a good plan. You have to, in order to be safe, you have to, because you don't know. Like uh, there was one guy. That I met at a restaurant, and he was telling me he could break my neck real easy. Well, that's nice. And I told him, I said, well, I my dad taught me how to fight, and I <laughs> fight like a man, not a woman. He looked at me real funny, and I said, I I'm leaving. I, yeah. You don't. Now, like Melvin works here, Melvin White, and I work for him in the prison system. And when he'd hire somebody, he'd ask me, he said, Betty, how long do you think they're going to last? And i say, they're not going to last very long. The inmates already got them. Like the, the women, they already got them. They're kind of scared of them. Mm. But I wasn't scared of them because I had worked with men all my life mm-hmm. in all of my places I'd
1: worked. Sounds like your dad trained you well. That's not a very romantic line is it i could break your neck don't no. you
0: Oh, i know it
1: <laughs> what was he thinking saying that that's crazy Jeez. sounds like not a very smart guy he wasn't well let me go back to something you just casually mentioned you worked in the prison system
0: yes i worked 14 years at luther luckett what was that like well the first day i uh met with the cooks i was in the kitchen I met with the cooks, and I told them, I said, I know everything, how to operate everything in the kitchen. And I said, if you work for me, you do not take it up until I taste it. And then I'll tell you when to take it up. And you don't come in and put the product on right away. I said, we'll wait, make sure the product gets to the dining room hot and to keep hot. And I said, you guys, you try to pull something on me. I said, it's been pulled on me a long time ago. <laughs> and I never had a bit of trouble out of them." Huh. In fact, they would mostly, they would tell me, like one time there was a young, young guy come up. He was mad. Oh, he was ranting and raving. He come in the kitchen and I just told him, I said, hold it i said don't don't act like that go out on the walkway get yourself together then come back in well when i backed up i backed up into one of the inmates they were standing at my back to make sure that he didn't do anything to me oh they were protecting you they were oh that wow and i told him i said guys i know how to handle him (laughs) and he come back in and he apologized he said i'm sorry I didn't mean to come in acting like
1: that. Well, I'm learning about a whole new side of, of Betty Sturgeon. I didn't know any of that <laughs> any of this stuff. You don't mess with Betty.
0: And then one, one morning, I had the morning shift and I had to hand out knives for the, the prepare the potatoes and things like that for the meal. And I always was on the floor and I heard them raise their voice. And I went over, and I I said, all right, guys, give me your knives. And I took the knives and took them in the office. And there was one inmate told me, he said, Miss Betty, do you realize what you did? I said, yes, I knew what I was doing. With a calm voice, I said, give me your knives. And I took them, I put them in the kitchen. And Melvin come in, he said, I understand you had to handle something this morning. I said, what? I, see, I'd forgotten about. It. He said it. They, the inmates told me. <laughs> she bet he gave us knives. <laughs> <laughs> you know they they got knives when we they had to, the spud crew had to do the, cabbage, or the slaw or anything like that.
1: Well, they must have respected you because they didn't, you know, do anything.
0: Well, I tell you, my first meeting with them, I told them, I said, I am a lady. And I expect to be treated as such. And I said, you will be treated as men. And I said, there will be no color mentioned in here, no racism, not any of that will be mentioned. And I and they knew what I do. And Melvin had told me, said, if they get out of line, you let me know.
1: Can I have my daughter come talk to you? Mm-hmm. I want her to hear that speech. That's a good one. Let's... Uh, Fast forward a little bit, talk about computers, technology, all the crazy things going on in that department. What are your feelings about technology well, in general?
0: Computers are good, and also the other part, the the phones. That way you can get information right now, where you don't have to go to a library or, or uh, look it up in places i like that but i i look at people with the phone and like and they're they're walking they don't know what's around them who's around them or any of that and then that is a safety Mm -hmm. hazard that they have
1: it is kind of sad in a way you walk around a busy city street and everybody's you know walking around like that they
0: are you know, just like the old saying, wake up and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who's out there. And they, like young women, I've seen the young women do that. And they don't realize who's around them, who's watching them, mm-hmm. who's following them, who's seeing who she's talking to, and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. men are as bad too, but there's danger in it. I always would tell my daughter, I said, no matter where you are, if the car breaks down, I'll come and get you. Mm -hmm. And I said, if somebody is following you, you think they're following, pull into the police station. Mm -hmm. And uh, you never know who's out there and what they're doing and everything. I have talked to my grandson about that, and he would... Go, you know, he went to college and he said, There's one, she never looks up. And he said, I'll stay in there and let her run, run into me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Teach her a lesson. So, you want to tell us about one of your happiest memories throughout your life? What comes to mind if you want to, if you think about one of the happiest times of your life?
0: When I met my husband.
1: When you met your husband and you asked him if he was a grouch.
0: <laughs> he knew then that I was a. Up front with everything, and also I told him I'm a divorcee, but I'm not a gay divorcee. If you're looking for a one night stand, keep on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> he he told me later on, he said, I like to fell off the bar too when you <laughs> said that.
1: Well, he's probably not used to someone being so direct, you know, and up front, but it's he, it was probably refreshing.
0: He, he liked it, yeah. And let's get I, this straight, buddy. Number one, <laughs> number two, number three. And I had noticed that the women in the bowling alley were trying to set him up with their daughters and everything and everything. And he was a handsome man. And, uh, and I would tell him, I said, with all of these blonde and blue eyes, you chose me. <laughs> he said, I knew I could trust you. I knew that what you said was was the law.
1: Hmm. That's a nice thing for someone to tell you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That might be a good segue into our last question. How would you like to be remembered by future generations?
0: Well, that I had fun, that I I wasn't a grouch. Life is going to hand you things that you think you're not prepared for, but you are. And uh, you uh, think it out. You treat people the way you want to be treated. And not to be holier than thou, all of that, but mm-hmm. just be a good friend. And my philosophy is, if you're my friend, you're a friend for life. Mm-hmm. And I have I have some friends that I uh, used to, when I was out there and driving, I was always the driver when there was five ladies and... Uh, I always would drive because I knew how. If there was a wreck, I knew how to get around the wreck and get it get back where yeah. it was. And uh, I'm still friends with them. I that's call great. I call them if I don't call them once a month, they think there's something wrong with me. Uh, that's great. You still have
1: friends that that long. Well, Miss Betty, we have really enjoyed talking to you and. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories and wisdom with us. Okay. And um, I'm sure everyone that listens to this is going to enjoy it too. All right. So thank you very much and have a great day. You too.
0: Thank you for listening to the Grand Tapestry Podcast, brought to you by my family channel. Please visit us at myfamilychannel.com and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite listening directory.